This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Built by Bama online podcast presents Daybreak for Wednesday, May the 6th, 2020. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you three times per week, this time on a Wednesday morning, the morning after Cinco de Mayo. How'd you get through it? Really different this time around, right? Cinco de Mayo to go, it was, around Casa de Ryer on Tuesday night. The local Mexican restaurant hooked us up with the fajitas. Not sure about where you're at, but in Tuscaloosa, you can get the curbside margaritas as well. And that was the case around here on Tuesday night. Not a big fan of the margaritas myself, but the wife is. And so, kind of a ceremonial sip for yours truly. Sort of like St. Patrick's Day with the green beer. The St. Patrick's Day rolls around. you got to have at least a sip of the green beer for good luck, if nothing else. Uh, so we had Cinco de Mayo. Hope it was a good one for you. Uh, you had some sports-related news on Tuesday. Got a little newsy on Tuesday evening when Tua Tonga Vailoa revealed his jersey number for the Miami Dolphins. Tua going to wear number one. Figured maybe Tua might take, well, two. Tua and two made a lot of sense, but instead, Tua going to follow in the footsteps of Warren Moon, Cam Newton, and most recently, Kyler Murray, all quarterbacks who donned the single digit, numero uno for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Not sure why, when I think about NFL quarterbacks in number one, I go to Jeff George in that abbreviated stint there with the Atlanta Falcons. Not sure why that is. Not sure why I I do that, but I do. And certainly, again, there's been success in the number. Maybe not to the extent of some of the traditional quarterback numbers, like 12. I mean, that's kind of the consummate quarterback number. Joe Willie Namath, uh, Ken Stabler, uh, Roger Stallback. More of maybe a, a 70s into the 80s type number. 60s, 70s, and 80s number number 12 at the quarterback position. But Tua boldly going to step into that number one jersey down there in South Florida for the Dolphins. And Nate Oates, by the way, he keeps you busy. He keeps you uh, locked in. He keeps you engaged if you're an Alabama fan. And certainly from the men's basketball perspective, that continues to be the case on the recruiting trail as Brian Snow, the national basketball analyst for 247sports.com, reported on Tuesday after speaking with Nike Sabande, and I believe I've got that right because it's spelled exactly like the shoe Nike, 6'4 guard out of Miami of Ohio, has narrowed his list of transfer destinations down to five schools, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Georgetown, and Xavier for Nike Sabande. And yes, all five of those finalists are, in fact, Nike schools. Of course they are. And you weren't going to have maybe a uh, Reebok school in that mix for a guy named Nike. 
But career numbers for Sabande, pretty impressive in his three seasons up there at Miami of Ohio, averaging 15 points and five rebounds, a career 34% three-point shooter, averaged 14 points or better in each of his three seasons in the MAC, made 95 starts while appearing in 97 games, and was the MAC freshman of the year in 2018. Now, if you're thinking about a Sabande, in terms of an insurance policy potentially for, say, John Petty and or Herbert Jones, doesn't really fit that way. He's a sit-one-to-play-one guy. He's not a grad transfer. So this isn't really an immediate-type impact potential addition for the 2020-2021 season. It's more about 2021-2022 from that perspective. But uh, we'll see how the numbers continue to play out for this Alabama team moving forward under Nate Oates. Now, what we're going to do next, we're going to transition into today's primary topic, which is making the case for the Alabama Crimson Tide being home to the SEC's top offensive line for the 2020 college football season. A lot of things to like potentially about this next Alabama offensive line. You start with the four returning starters and the continuity that comes with that. But also, you're returning your offensive line coach in Kyle Flood for a second season there, uh, leading up the big fellas up front on the offensive side of the ball. So we're going to do that next when Daybreak on a Wednesday returns on the Built by Bama online podcast right after this. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, let's get into it. Let's make the case for the Alabama Crimson Tide being home to the top offensive line in the Southeastern Conference for the 2020 college football season. And really to start, you have to look around at the rest of the league, consider some of the competition that's going to be out there for that title. And I think you have to look at Georgia after the last couple of years. Uh, But you also consider that the Dogs are incurring extensive losses following that 2019 season both offensive tackles as you saw a week or so ago went in the opening round of the 2020 NFL draft when you talk about Andrew Thomas on the left side Isaiah Wilson on the right side Cade Mays is transferred out of the program and perhaps most important of all Sam Pittman no longer around to coach that group in Athens having taken over as the head coach at Arkansas you look to LSU which is really where you probably should start because it was LSU in 2019 that took home the Joe Moore award that goes to the top offensive line in all of college football on an annual basis that was the Tigers front five a year ago LSU like Georgia with some heavy losses up front you expect Ed Ingram to jump in there full-time at one of those interior spots and elevate his play and essentially become another one of those NFL types there at the guard position. Austin Deculus, though, really the only returning starter 
for that group from a full-time perspective as far as the 2019 season goes there's optimism there's hope that Dare Rosenthal will jump in there as the new starter at left tackle but there's also concern in the fact that Rosenthal left the team this spring due to personal reasons now maybe it'll eventually prove to be a situation similar to what we've seen at LSU in the past you remember Arden Key the outstanding pass rusher from a few years ago left the team in the spring was back in time for the fall perhaps that will be the case with Dare Rosenthal at LSU as well you also consider Texas A&M for the simple fact that the Aggies are bringing back four starters to work up front with Kellen Mond at quarterback Isaiah Spiller Uh, At running back, a couple of really talented second-year tight ends for Jimbo Fisher there in that offense. But if I was going to look at one group that will pose a serious challenge to Alabama for top offensive line in the SEC honors for the 2020 season, it would have to be Tennessee. Will Friend, former Alabama offensive lineman, Offensive line coach for his pal, Jeremy Pruitt, up there in Knoxville. He's got something. When you talk about frontline players, Will Friend's got a little something on that offensive line. Looking ahead. You know, similar to Alabama in some ways, just on the other side of the football, more about the defense. But, you know, Tennessee didn't really waste a lot of time with those two five-star offensive tackles from a year ago, Darnell Wright and Rwanye Morris. For the most part, plug those guys in by the midway point of the 2019 season Wright and Wanye Morris were the starters for the Vols at the offensive tackle spots probably even a little earlier than that then you combine the fact that Trey Smith one of the more talented offensive guards to go through the recruiting process in the last 10 or 15 years really could have been a tackle uh, in addition to an interior lineman even with the health issues that he had struggled through in the previous years, serious nature involving blood clots, Trey Smith picked up the slack there on the interior at the left guard position. Really impressive a year ago, especially when you consider that he was involved in all of two full contact practices a year ago and still was able to perform with dominance there for extended stretches during the 2019 season. Trey Smith at a guard spot. We told you about Cade Mays transferring from Georgia. Well, he transferred to Tennessee. So you've got the potential for Cade Mays, depending on his waiver for eligibility, immediate eligibility there at UT. If he is eligible, you could see him at guard or tackle. And you remember Brandon Kennedy? From the Alabama program a few years back, remember Brandon Kennedy was a grad transfer to UT a couple of years ago? Well, due to an injury he sustained in 2018, he's been granted a sixth year. So Brandon Kennedy, as a sixth-year player, expected to maintain his role as the starting center for the Tennessee Vols. That's a strong group. That's a strong four or five. You're talking about, of those five, you're looking at Four guys who were five-star-ish prospects coming out of high school. And with those tackles and Wright and Morris, they've just begun to scratch the surface of what they can become. Both of those guys started against Alabama here in Tuscaloosa last October. And, you know, a little bit up and down 
had some penalty issues, had some issues from time to time in dealing with a couple of veteran edge players like Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings. I mean, we're talking about a couple of top three-round picks there in those two vets. So you understood some of that, but I thought there were also stretches in that game here in Tuscaloosa where Wright and Morris accounted of themselves quite, quite well given the competition. So I would have to go right now more with Tennessee as that other offensive line that could uh, you know, pose a, a hurdle to Alabama's group in terms of that top unit in the SEC mantle. Now, looking at Alabama, you know, this is a group, brings back four starters. Alex Leatherwood kind of headlining that unit with 28 consecutive starts, all of those a year ago, 13 at the left tackle position. So you feel good about protecting the blind side of whichever right-handed quarterback. Going to make that switch from Tuatanga Vailoa back to a right-handed quarterback for the upcoming season. You'll really like that with Leatherwood there. And I'll die on that hill. I'll continue to die on that hill that Alex Leatherwood very well could have been a first-round pick in the 2020 NFL draft, given the way things played out. Evan Neal is a true freshman at left guard in 2019, gets 13 starts. Landon Dickerson, the grad transfer from Florida State, gives you quality starts first at guard and then primarily at center over the course of the 2019 campaign. And, you know, in retrospect, you think about how things work to the benefit of a, of a program from time to time. And as much as we've talked about injuries uh, hampering Alabama and, and really being a major problem over the last three seasons, there's no denying that's absolutely been the case. But in the case of Landon Dickerson, worked out pretty well for Alabama because Landon Dickerson had his 2018 season at Florida State cut short by an injury and with that he was able to qualify for another year he was he was essentially going to need that fifth year he was on a track in which he was going to be four and out at most but with that injury in 2018 worked out pretty well for Alabama because without it you're not looking at bringing back Landon Dickerson for a second season whether it's at guard whether it's at center and continuing with that role from a year ago. Deontay Brown, right guard last year. When you look at Deontay's body of work over the last two years, it's essentially come out to one full season of starts. Eight starts a year ago, obviously had to sit out those first four games due to that NCAA suspension, which was a carryover from the end of the 2018 season. But Deontay Another fifth-year player, Landon Dickerson, fifth-year player, Alex Leatherwood, fourth-year player, Evan Neal, second-year player, 13 starts a year ago. So it's not just about ability and talent. You got a lot of starts, a lot of snaps between those four guys. And then you get into the candidates for that vacancy with Jedrick Wills moving on to the National Football League. And a lot of different ways that thing could go, but I think if – you're Kyle Flood. You feel good about your options. You you not only have a a, a quantity of of, of uh, candidates to choose from. You've got quality in that you can go with the combination that you absolutely feel best about. If it's Evan Neal at right tackle, um, 
you know, you've got some opportunities at the interior spots. Uh, you've got Emil Echior that you can play at center or guard. You've got Pierce Quick who you can play at guard or tackle. The option that intrigues me still the most is Darian Dahlcourt. I think this guy's going to be a big-time player. We've talked about him a lot on BamaOnline.com. I still am intrigued by the potential for Darian Dahlcourt. I know if you get a center as much experience as you got Landon Dickerson a year ago, that's usually something you don't mess with. You know, you like what you have there because Landon's able to make checks and he's a veteran and, you know, that's where everything starts and the communication and everything that goes on there in addition to the the physical skill set that's required. But ah, can't quite turn away from the possibility of Darian Dahlcourt at center and maybe Landon Dickerson. At left guard with Evan Neal at right tackle? That's what I'm talking about. There are so many combinations. You keep Landon Dickerson at maybe center. You go with perhaps Emil Echior, Pierce Quick. You've got guys we haven't even talked about yet that have played important, important football for Alabama as recent as last season. You know, Chris Owens uh, at the center position in 2019. Kendall Randolph was a second-team guard, but he eventually grew into a role as a – as an additional offensive tackle and a tight end number uh, that was important to Alabama a year ago. So when you look at what could ultimately separate Alabama from, say, Tennessee or any other offensive line in the league, it could very well come in the form of depth. Because whereas we outlined a starting five for Tennessee for you that is extremely impressive to hear uh, laid out for you, What if one or two of those guys go down with injuries? Who's next for Tennessee at some of those spots? When you look at Alabama, you know, there's four returning starters. There's one spot open. But then there's four or five guys that no matter how it plays out, you'd probably feel really good about. Not so much in terms of experience where Pierce Quick is concerned or Darian Dahlcourt is concerned or even, say, Tommy Brown at the right tackle position but certainly a lot in the way of quality. And, you know, what's going to be interesting, too, for this group in terms of its ability to impress with the potential there for more emphasis on the run game, there could be more opportunities, obviously, to impose some physical dominance um, on opponents. And here's the thing. If the schedule comes off as, as it's set right now, You're going to find out about this Alabama offensive line quickly because USC has a couple of the top opposing defensive linemen on Alabama's 2020 schedule, including a projected first-round pick for the 2021 draft in Jay Tufele, Salt Lake City native. So there you go. Really, the biggest thing you worry about with this group is getting in its own way. Because I think even from an injury perspective, it can sustain, it can withstand that type of scenario and continue to play at a high level. Need to clean up some of the pre-snap, some of the penalty issues. That's probably at the top of Kyle Flood's to-do list here in this offseason. And that's where you know the pandemic and the suspension of team activities and spring practice and all those things are are a concern, not just in terms of getting that needed fundamental work and sort of trying to identify uh, initially at least 
those one or two or three candidates for that fifth and final opening on this offensive line from a starting perspective. But yeah, uh, penalties were an issue. Certainly, when you look to the second half, the fourth quarter, especially of that Iron Bowl loss to Auburn, uh, more than a few there in that fourth quarter. Also, strength and conditioning. I mean, this would obviously be a time, um, ideally, uh, maybe not so much, because I guess right now, with commencement in our rearview mirror from over the weekend at UA, I guess we would be moving into a break, really, in the college football schedule on the calendar, the interim uh, period here between the end of the spring semester and the start of the summer semesters. Uh, But you would like to have that day-to-day interaction moving forward with David Ballou and Matt Ray and these offensive linemen. You don't want the big guys. You don't want the big guys usually getting too far away from that strength and conditioning staff uh, as you move into the summer months. But there you go, making the case for the Alabama offensive line as the best in the Southeastern Conference in 2020. Thank you so much for joining us here on Daybreak for a Wednesday, May the 6th, 2020. Keep it locked to BamaOnline.com for continuing coverage of the Crimson Tide. So long, everybody. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.